you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Dee dee do dee Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike of the world famous Down East Mike Podcast news and commentary for Friday, August 4th, 2023. Our motto here is some of this is whimsy, some of this is true, and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. See how we throw it back on you? We put that stuff out there. Did you know that the Down East Mike podcast contains no mean words, just wholesome goodness from Down East Maine? It's a historical, literary, auditory candy store. Did you hear the bells on the door when you came in? Really what it's like is this dusty old emporium you'd find in Down East Maine alongside the road where you go in and the clerk behind the counter eyeballs you from, well, somewhat suspiciously. And you'd, and the place is full of like old license plates and bric-a-brac and uh, coffee tables made out of lobster traps. Uh, stuffed, overstuffed chair that he pulled in from the trailer front yard down the road. They put it out front and he grabbed it and he's got it there for $15. And stuff like that. We're like that, except we're all in your head. That's what this podcast is. In today's episode, we have cloud cover given relief from the heat. On August 4th, 1975, it was hot then to go figure. For whom the bell buoy tolls. An interesting story out of Lubeck, Maine from 1975. The Portland Homeless Camp, 1893. They had homeless camps in Portland, Maine then too. We have the insect of the instant and so much more on today's podcast. You are going to love it or you're going to leave it. Love it or list it. The world and international headlines today. Uh, Trump's subdued courtroom appearance is one of the headlines from, from the New Yorker. And I guess he was upset. He was in court again, and he was upset. The magistrate referred to him as Mr. Trump. He wanted to be called President Trump. I can well understand. I'd like to be called President, too. Ukraine war is a sea drone attack reported on the Russian Black Sea port of Novorosk. Um, what else do we have in international news? South Koreans were shocked after back-to-back stabbing rampages. What is this with stabbing people? Don't they have some other way to settle their differences? Kidnapped woman punched her way out of a cinder block cell. These people all ought to get together. Two U.S. Navy sailors were arrested for spying for China in a vicious otter attack. In Montana, sends woman to a hospital. There are three women on a river raft and trip. About 8 o'clock at night, a river otter attacked them. They said some, uh, possibly two river otter, uh, but quite a vicious uh, attack. It's about like a four-foot-long, 30- to 40-pound animal, and it uh, injured one woman so bad she had to be airlifted to the hospital. Uh, dangerous, uh, dangerous animal there in the river, in Montana. Retailers are already planning to reallocate Bud Light's shelf space, rival drink executive says. And we'll top it off. International news and national news. Uh, I want to own you 
Giuliani says to former employee in audio transcripts filed in New York lawsuit. Basically, everything he said is a, is a highlight reel. The main headlines, Maine expands the electrical vehicle charging stations statewide. Now, now your EV will get you 30 miles to the next uh, charging station. That's good news. Uh, Vermont man was working in yard with grandson before fatal crash in Sanford. Kind of a misleading headline there because it kind of indicates that there was just a, a car accident uh, in Sanford and that he was in, but he was in his yard with his grandson cutting firewood in the backyard, mind you, and a car just came off the road and, and killed them both tragically. Uh, they continued to investigate that one. Uh, Burwick police are reporting that a woman was run over by a vehicle in a road rage incident. And uh, that story's coming out in dribs and drabs. First, it was a, a person in a road rage accident, and then it was they were run over, and now it's a woman. Pretty soon, they might even have a name in more details there. Uh, road rage is everywhere. Two hurt in a serious crash on I-295 southbound in Yarmouth, probably along that uh, devil's stretch there, right off uh, by the rest area in Yarmouth. And... Uh, Apparently, uh, somebody was following too closely. Mm, that's enough for the main headlines. Let's go look at our podcast for today because we do have some birthdays of no note that you should be aware of. Happy birthday today to Charlene. She's visiting from New York, turns 48 years old today. Charlene's on a chocolate tour of the Northeast, and she's enjoying every minute of it. I stopped and chatted with them yesterday, a wonderful-looking tour bus there on the streets of downtown Portland, Charlene and her husband, uh, first time in Maine, and they are just loving every minute of this chocolate tour. I guess they go to chocolate shops and sample the wares. Happy birthday to Sid of Edgecombe. He turns 45 today. Sid makes art from flotsam and jetsam and has a gallery feature in boston sometime in october he said uh so basically he cleans up the beach and makes art out of it and people hanging on the wall and you know 50 years from now it'll end up in down east mike's emporium maybe let's roll it back to august 4th 1975 cloud cover gives relief in a heat wave Relief from scorching 100 degree plus temperatures. We haven't seen 100 degrees this summer here in Maine yet. Uh, relief from 100 degree plus temperatures rolled over Maine Sunday in the form of a thick cloud cover and fog along the state's coastline. Last week, weather forecasters had promised temperatures well into the 90s every day through this coming Friday. However, everything subject to change in a cold front in the form of rain will pass over Maine on Monday. The weather watchers now predict scattered showers beginning Sunday evening, continuing all day Monday, goes on and on about that. Uh, in Bangor, the high temperature recorded at Bangor International Airport was 102 degrees Saturday afternoon. That was 1975 in August. Uh, the low for Saturday was 69 degrees. And a brief power outage in Bangor reported by Bangor Hydro. At back, uh, Baxter State Park, the tote road was closed for a few hours Sunday morning to day use and, and transient traffic. 
but after some rain fell, the road was again opened by park officials. I don't know what, why would you have to, uh, why would you have to close the, the road because of the heat? Maybe it's just a reaction. Uh, Mrs. Jenny Good, the wife of park ranger Lauren Good, reported that the temperature at Chimney Pond Campground was 113 degrees. Isn't that something? Uh, scorching temperatures gave way to a violent thunderstorm in the Skowhegan area Saturday evening. High winds blew down many trees and snapped electrical wires, hail pummeled some areas, and sheets of rain beat down on thirsty crops. That's quite a picture, isn't it? The sheets of rain beating down thirsty crops. Winds blew fans out of windows. Oh, this is getting really dramatic. In Aroostook County, Cooling weather early Sunday brought temperatures down from a high of 99 recorded at the airport in Holton to a breezy 65 early Sunday morning. Tenet's Harbor, the temperature was 100 degrees. Isn't that something? That's so hot. Then the accompanying story out of Rockland, lobster boiling heat thins seafood crowd. I'd rather be rained out than fried out was the summation of the weekend by a seafood festival official, Ray Fuller. On Saturday, scorching heat kept attendance and food sales to a minimum. Who wants to stand under a hot 10, 100 degree temp eating uh, hot lobster? Saturday is normally the biggest day of the annual fair. On Sunday, the temperatures dipped about 40 degrees from Saturday's high of 97. And a sprinkling of rain was added to round out the festival's weather offerings. It was a bargain basement time on Sunday as prices of food were reduced as the closing near. What a great time to go hang around uh, just down the street and wait for them to get close to closing time and you can get all that discount lobster. They had purchased about 5,000 pounds of lobster for the event. Uh, anything else there that's remarkable? Or South School teacher and city councilor Thomas Malloy almost missed the parade in Rockland after his class had spent a month preparing a float with a Save the Whale motif. A borrowed truck stalled in line, then refused to start. Despite the work of several passersby, the truck remained still. It was not until the last possible moment behind the horses that the truck started and slid into line. The South School students sitting atop the truck, sweating, broke into cheers. Oh, those wonderful days of parades. We miss them. Uh, our trio uh, trio rescued from Bell Buoy at Lubeck. That's our, our Lubeck Bell Buoy story. We kind of disguised it. A triple drowning was averted here Sunday morning when three young men were rescued from their tenuous two-hour perch atop a Bell Buoy. Credited with the life-saving actions were Steve Wilcox, his wife Sherry, and cousin Lehman Wilcox, all flew back. The trio rescued were Bill Rear, 27, Jack Russell, 30, of Sacco, and James Wallace, 20, of Lubeck. Is this a made-up story? I didn't make it up. According to Wallace, the trio opted uh, to take Rear's 13-foot aluminum craft out to check a trawl line. Let's go check the trawl line. The three reason that the task could be done faster in the aluminum boat, sure, rather than in the larger 24-foot long craft, 
that had been used to set the trawl uh, the night before. Where it's, This goes wrong so many places. Leaving Lubeck at 8 a.m. Sunday, the boaters reached their destination in the Quaddy Roads Passage between West Quaddy Head and Campobello Island without incident. Rear told the news after the rescue that the trouble began after the trio had pulled the trawl. The fog rolled in thick, and the water was becoming rough. I tried to start my 10-horsepower motor and had no success. We couldn't see land by this time, but we could hear the bell buoy. I then tried to row toward the sound. In spite of breaking an oar in the process, we made it. Now, due to the fact that the small craft was taken on water in three to four foot seas, the trio then climbed onto the bell buoy and tied themselves and the boat to it. Somehow the boat floated away. I finally began to be scared. I've sunk boats before. Would you go in the water with this guy? I've sunk boats before, but was always able to swim to land. With the fog so thick, we could see no land to swim to. Oh, my goodness. Rios also said that due to the fact that some 12 years ago, he had lost three cousins near Grand Manan in a similar boating incident, the danger of the situation was very real for him. How does this family line even continue? Fortunately for the trio, Lehman Wilcox and family happened upon the scene on their way to pull trawl. A partial clearing of the fog enabled Wilcox to spot the drifting aluminum boat and also to see the three stranded boaters who were bobbing in the sea on the bell buoy. Wilcox was able to take the three aboard his 18-foot-long Foley boat as well as to pick up the castaways' floating craft at approximately 1 p.m. By 2 p.m., all were returned to dry land. They should never be allowed to go to sea again. Rear observed after the incident that had he and his friends not reached the safety of the bell buoy when they did, that they would have been swept out to rougher seas and drowned. As an epilogue to that near tragedy, Rear vowed to never again ply the formidable waters of the West Quaddy Head Channel in so small a vessel. So, yeah, he did learn his lesson. That's nice. We're going to go all the way back to August 4th, 1893, and the Venerable Gunner Club, a humorous Portland camping out institution, has been conducting some more or less scientific experiments and has demonstrated that it's easier to walk half a mile to the shore than to wash rather than dig a well located by the witch stick process. And I guess they must have had a homeless camp there and down by the water in Portland, just like they do today. Not, not a lot has changed. There's a lot of land on Munjoy Hill in Portland that has been in the possession of the Longfellow family for over a century. It was purchased by the grandfather of the poet and his brother Alexander and belongs to the latter. If the money that was paid for it so long ago had been put at interest at 6%, it would have mounted now to over $100,000, yet all these years the land has remained unremunerative except to those who have hauled sand away from it. So sand that that land on Munjoy Hill today, wow, I bet that is worth millions. Ellsworth has been having gay times at Green Lake since the new steamer Senator was launched. I didn't know it was that deep. Uh, Piscataquist farmers are carefully noting the successful experiments of a Milo 
uh, farmer in cranberry culture, many a main bog may be a money maker instead of a waste. So wild cranberries. So we got a bunch of tidbits here for you. Vermont fire insurance returns show excessive losses during the past two years. Dudley Buck, the composer and family, are at the Ottawa House in Portland Harbor. I've never heard of Dudley Buck, but I guess he was popular at the time. Fishing is excellent at Biddeford Pool. Charles Hatch took 3,600 pounds of fish in two days with four men. That is a lot of fish. An experiment's being made at a South Boston ladder house with a bicycle to be used in extinguishing slight blazes. A bicycle fire department. The North Wayne Tool Company is contemplating enlarging its works as it was unable to fill all its orders the past year. Nice to see that they were that busy at the time. The great anthracite collieries of uh, Cochin, Russia, Russia, have been on fire for several days. The damage is already immense, and 30 miners have lost their lives. That coal mine's just awful. The schooner Ella Oliver brought into Portland 2,400 pounds of fresh mackerel that brought 12 cents a pound and netted $300 for the crew of four men. They should get together with those guys from Biddeford Pool. They're doing a better job. Two Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania girls, 16 years of age, went off together last Tuesday to, lake, to take laudanum and die. They did not take enough, however, and the rescuing party found them before they became dangerously ill. They were taken home, and medical aid soon brought them around all right. A reasonable amount of good old-fashioned maternal discipline size number nine would be an excellent thing to follow their escapade with. So they were saying that mothers should spank them with a shoe, I guess is what they were saying. That's always a good incentive if someone tries to commit suicide, to beat them. Uh, let's see, South Thomaston out of Spruce Head, big list of names like Mr. Stanton, Mr. Kirkpatrick, uh, and Mr. Orlando Allen. I didn't know Orlando could be a first name. Uh, they were washing in an outdoor outside shed at Mr. Douglas Haskell's boarding house in Spruce Head the other day. And the floor gave way, and the three men fell to the stone floor five feet below. Mr. Kirkpatrick and Mr. Allen escaped with slight bruises, but Mr. Stanton broke his right leg, which had been stiff for years. Make of that what you will, folks. Togus, the funeral of uh, General Harriman, I think it is, occurred at the soldier's home on Thursday. Mr. Harriman had a troublesome corn and shaved it with a razor, blood poisoning set in, and he died three days later. No more he'll eat him as the headline of New Hampshire man dies from eating too many clams. Charles Woods, who attended a clam bake the first of the week, ate clams on a wager with a companion. He was taken suddenly ill yesterday and died at his home this morning from the effects of overloading his stomach with clams. I wonder if they were, it says they were baked. Maybe if they're fried, he'd still be alive. Waterford, during the thunder shower of Wednesday last week, the house of Mrs. C.M. Dorr at South Waterford was struck by lightning, doing cons considerable damage to the interior of the house. She was standing near the stove in her kitchen, and her boot was considerably torn on one side, and her foot was slightly burned. 
She just wanted time off from work. The house of Frank Shute of Bolsters Mills was struck by lightning during the shower on Wednesday of last week, which visited nearly every room on the lower floor except the one where the family were gathered, leaving smoke with a strong odor of gunpowder in two rooms, but happily no fire. It almost sounds like ball lightning. Well, let's see, we got another story here from 1893. A queer family. Before Elva Doton of Franklin Street died, he left word that his faithful old horse should be chloroformed and killed if anything happened to himself. The horse was the pride of his life, but there were other pets. His dog and cat were loved equally well with the horse. The cat had the mark of a horseshoe on its forehead as plain and clearly defined as any shoe of iron. At any rate, Mr. Dota liked to point to the marked shoe with pride, and the horse was between 30 and 40 years old, deserved to be put on the retired list with a pension. No one knew just how old the horse was. In his early days, he could go along and warm up the best trotters that we had in town, Mrs. Lewiston. Mr. Doton used to love to put the dog and cat on the horse's back and make him try to throw them off, but they never did. The horse would sometimes run up and down the street, carrying his two friends with him to the surprise of strangers in general. When the old gentleman died, a relative took charge of the horse and the two pets until the auction day came. Then the horse was bought by Mr. C.H. Groves for $17 and sold to a man at North Raymond for 30 Mr. LaRube, the blacksmith on Main Street, took the dog and Mr. Eastman, the cat, so parted a queer family. That was in 1893. We have a little story here about uh, uh, Hirschhoff, the uh, yacht yacht designer. I did not know that he was blind. John B. Hershoff, one of the most successful designers of yachts in the world, is blind. There is a wonderful intelligence in his hands, however, and in a very few years, the blind designer's yachts have become famous the world over. One of the last yachts to leave the Hershoff shipyards at Bristol, Rhode Island, was the Vigilant, built to defend the America's Cup against Lord Dunraven's challenging yacht, Valkyrie. Doesn't Dunraven sound like a, the name of a villain? John Hershoff's touch is a, so acute that he can tell all about a yacht in her probable speed by simply running his hands along her hull. He also steers a yacht with remarkable skill, rows a boat as well as the best sailor, and does a great deal of actual work of building a boat despite his lack of sight. He walks about a yacht as freely and fearlessly as any seaman and is so little handicapped by his affliction that strangers have no idea he's blind. Uh, Hershoff is not entitled to all the credit for building such fast yachts as the Gloriana and the Vigilant, for his brother, Nat Hershoff, is also possessed of numerous original ideas. The brothers compose a team of yacht builders that is hard to beat. And then they go on, uh, whether they're vigilant will oppose Dunraven's Valkyrie will depend upon the result of her trials against the three other proposed cup defenders. If she defeats them, she'll be selected to sail against the challenger. And then we looked a little bit more into John Hershoff. Uh, they were living at Point Pleasant Farm on Papa Squash Neck. Uh, 
he showed a great deal of energy and ambition for a young man having his own rope walk, a workshop, and a foot lathe. He had a natural and dominant interest in, bo in boats. It was in his blood. Known locally as J.B., he was a remarkable man who, in spite of being blind for most of his life, started and ran a thriving boat building business in Bristol for 52 years. Known his history as the blind designer and the blind boat builder, he was a person of great ambition and ability, along with a quick mind who developed his visual senses, his no visual senses to a high degree to overcome the handicap of sightlessness. So at age seven, he was deprived of sight in one eye because of an illness. And then later he lost the sight in his other eye from an accident while playing with his brother, Charles. JB was seven years older than his brother, Nat, and he was an aggressive and impatient taskmaster to his younger brother who was forced to do things far beyond what would normally be expected of a boy his age. While these activities may have been interesting, they were no doubt a burden and probably deprived the young lad of a normal childhood. This had a marked effect on Nathaniel uh, Hershoff's character. Uh, 1856, the entire family moved from Point Pleasant Farm across the harbor to a house that stands at 142 Hope Street in Rhode Island. Uh, Hershoff died in 1915. He'd been ill from a month, suffering from a general breakdown. He was born in 1841. He was twice married. Uh, the brother, Nathaniel, graduated from MIT, and he designed and built a bunch of boats as well. Uh, quite quite the family. It's really something to look at if you ever seen it. Some of those ships are... are the sail, sailboats that they made are highly coveted by collectors and used by, and they're still in use today. And you probably would find some in the, of some of the great harbors of, of New England. We are going to go to the insect of the instant. In, insect of the instant, I can say that. Uh, this is one a grouchy Frank Norwood handed to me and said, figure out what this green thing is on my arm. And I was like, okay, I'll look it up. The golden green sweat bee, Aga cholera arata, hard to say. The golden green sweat bee, it's a bee, a little green fly, with its metallic green sheen, may not look like much of a bee, but they're very important for pollination. They even live in colonies. Uh, they are attracted to human sweat. That's why it was on Frank Norwood. There are around 4,500 species of sweat bee, and most make their nests in the ground. I did not know there was a bee there. A uh, little more about it. They're active from late April to early November. There's some pictures here of the female and the male. The uh, end of the mandible of females is shaped like a mitten, something I'm never going to see with my eyes, uh, though this is not visible in photos. While variable in size, it tends to be the smallest green bee, uh, in probably in Maine. Especially small and golden individuals are probably safely ID'd without seeing finer details. I think you could just look at them and say, yes, it's, it's one of the 4,500 different green bees. Uh, they do live from southern Canada, south through Florida, down through Texas. Ground nesting, as we said, they're semi-social at lower elevations and then solitary 
at higher elevations in northern latitudes. That's why the one Frank saw was alone. Uh, it's one of the most abundant bees seen in eastern habitats, including forest, agricultural fields, and urban environments. Uh, I don't think, yeah, there's not much more about it. But you'll see it. When you see the little green fly on you, remember that's a bee. It is not, uh, it is not just like some ordinary house fly. Well, let's look at the weather forecast for today, Friday. August 4th, showers and thunderstorms are likely. And then showers, possibly a thunderstorm after 4 p.m. with a high near 68 today. The winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Showers again for the overnight. And then for Saturday, patchy fog before 9 a.m. Otherwise, mostly sunny with a high near 78. For Sunday, sunny with a high near 81 and then looking ahead on Monday, sunny again with a high near 80. We'll have to call in sick. I think that would be a great idea. Don't tell the boss. Until next time, this is Down East Mike wishing you and your loved ones day that's full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll see you. Gonna work from the beach Roll my trousers and eat a peach Just like T.S. Eliot did You can find your sass I'll pretend to listen while I read leaves of grass And wait for the clouds to pass We can watch the dolphins range while we wait for climate change The waves will be at our door And I'm so glad that you're in my life I'm so grateful for everything that you What's not to like? There'll be palm trees in the pine groves and hot temps at midnight. There'll be moose on the sidewalk and the bears will never sleep. All the frogs will be gigantic but we'll never hear a peep And the crabs are marching north And the centipedes in the igloos Thank you, climate change I'm so glad